Buenos dias, everyone, and welcome to the Orange Bird Show. I'm your host, Alex Seidel, and welcome to episode number one. So the title of the show, The Orange Bird Show, comes from the character Orange Bird from the Disney parks. Um, been gaining attraction over the last few years, so I thought, why not? It's a character I love. Um, I have the shoulder um, Orange Bird, which I'll definitely have to post on Instagram, so go check that out at The Orange Bird Show over there. And then, of course, the intro of the show, if you picked up on it, Buenos Dias, actually comes from Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room, Whatever Happened to Rosita, if you know that reference as well, also from that show, bonus points, if you know where Rosita's cage is in the parks. So let's get into some housekeeping for episode number one. If you haven't already, go take a listen to our trailer episode. I kind of explain who I am, what this show is about, what my goals are with this show. And I'll do a quick synopsis here in episode number one, but definitely go give that a listen if you have an opportunity. It's only about two minutes long. Um, obviously, the show is about Disney. Uh, we're going to be talking Disney news, Disney parks more specifically. I'm not a huge movies guy. I love the Disney movies, don't get me wrong, but really where my passion is is about the Disney parks. The goal is to create stories here. I, I want to tell stories. I want to learn about stories from you all in the community and hopefully just create a group of people who has a passion about Disney as much as I do, right? And connect with people online from all over the globe, hopefully, about a similar passion. I do have some copyright concerns with the Orange Bird show. Obviously, like I said, Orange Bird is a character that Disney owns. Um, I might eventually convert this to just the Alex Seidel show, just using my name. Um, If we have to you know, if we get big enough one day and it becomes a problem, we'll see what happens. Um, but if you're listening to this in the future and it's now the Alex Seidel show, there's your history. We started as the Orange Bird show. And if not, well, then I guess it wasn't a concern. Um, so we're going to hop in with a few topics in this episode. I want to talk a little bit about D23 news. I know I'm a little, little bit late on that. Um, I think D23 was about a week and a half ago now to this point. I want to talk about that, and I also want to talk about the magic of Disney and the current state of the parks, the company, and just directions going forward, I think especially after the D23 Expo. That's a topic on everyone's kind of mind. Uh, Last bit of housekeeping, my goal is to produce weekly episodes, mainly to be posted by Wednesday morning. So you can join, um, I can join your commute on Wednesday mornings, whether you're going to work or walking to class, or if you're just listening to this in the middle of the day on a Sunday even, um, that's great. But most of these will be posted hopefully on a weekly basis before you wake up on Wednesday morning. So let's hop right into the meat of the episode, so to speak, Uh, get out of these housekeeping pleasantries and really kind of dive into our Disney news from the D23 Expo. Specifically for me, we're going to be talking about some of the parks-related topics. The first one I want to talk about, and to me, when I was listening to the news coming out, was the most exciting part of the entire parks panel, was that Happily Ever After is coming back. Um, Let me just repeat that. Happily Ever After is coming back. They did a little performance on stage, which was pretty cool. Um, Enchantment will be going away. There hasn't been an exact date in which this is happening. Um, There are works right now with some of my friends to go down potentially on the first night. 
um, which we'll see how that hits us economically. But um, Happily Ever After is definitely a show I love and I'm really interested to get back and see it just because I think the story and the message um, in Happily Ever After is a little more coherent, especially with the projections and, and soundtrack. I think it's just more coherent than Enchantment ever has been. Um, I haven't seen the additions to Enchantment yet. I'll have to check that out on YouTube soon. Um, but Happily Ever After is, to me, probably the best Magic Kingdom show. I know there's a lot of fans of Wishes wanting to bring that back. I think, to me, Wishes doesn't have that nostalgia factor that I think other people have, which brings you back in to wanting Wishes over Happily Ever After. I also have to like understand my own biases in that Happily Ever After, I probably watched for about 25 days straight during my Disney college program. We'll talk more about the college program in a later episode, so be on the lookout for that. Um, so Happily Ever, After, Happily Ever After is coming back. Enchantment is gone. Harmonious will be taking a break is the way they kind of phrased it. There's a new show coming in Epcot. From what I've heard, Harmonious is either a you love it or you kind of like it show. Some people I've heard would rather have Reflections um, back. I'm not really a huge Reflections fan myself. Obviously, I think some of you may be curling up right now um, just at the sound of that. I like Harmonious. I don't know if it's the epitome of what an Epcot show can be. I've seen World of Color over at Disney's California Adventure. I liked that more. Harmonious is cool. The barges really aren't that big of a deal during the day. I think there are some problems with sight lines at night trying to look at the screens and get the full atmosphere of the show. Unless you're standing in you know certain positions, it's a little harder to get that that full volume of, of everything that's going on. So I have a lot of friends that are harmonious super fans um you know my friend connor he's currently working attractions down in disney world he's doing everest right now um, and he'll probably be on a later show he is a real big supporter of harmonious thinking that it's maybe not exactly perfect but it's a pretty good epcot show and really fits the message of epcot i don't want to speak completely for him uh maybe on a future episode we can talk a little bit more about harmonious and his views on this show but harmonious is taking a break and there is a new type of show coming in i think um epcot forever may be coming back for a short period of time while they transition um so another opportunity to see that show which i'm not the biggest fan of but also i don't hate so we'll see what happens there um epcot obviously being kind of in a mode of transition right now Another piece of parks news, if we move to Magic Kingdom, um, Tron is opening in spring 2023. We have kind of been not promised a date by Disney Parks. Um, we've been kind of waiting. Spring is once again one of those broad time frames. I think they're they're doing testing. They're on the track. Josh tomorrow rode one of the Tron light cycles um, to do a test and looked like he was having fun. But I think there must be there must be just a few problems and a few kinks they're trying to work out before they really get the ride running at full capacity. I wouldn't be surprised. This is purely speculation if that date, spring 2023, is just moved back again. Just with the way things construction works, 
Um, there's always delays. Um, I hope not. I hope spring 2023. I hope they're able to stick to that timeline. That would be really awesome. Um, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. I'm excited for Tron. Obviously, it does exist already in the world. Um, so, you know, it's not a completely new attraction, but I think it will be great towards the sight line of Tomorrowland. I think it will be really, really cool looking, especially at night. Um, in the park industry, it's actually called a weenie. Um, is the term that's kind of used, a object, a large object that kind of draws you in. Uh, Space Mountain would be a weenie down into Tomorrowland. The castle at Magic Kingdom is a great example. As you walk down Main Street, you've got a weenie kind of then drawing guests towards that large object to invite them to explore uh, whatever is kind of ahead of them. Um, so that's kind of just a, a fun little fact right there. Um, for more news, the name of the new cruise ship was announced, the Disney Treasure. I am a huge Disney Cruise Line fan. I actually was on um, a cruise this summer, seven nights in the Caribbean, and it was amazing. I've also was on the Dream in 2016, I think it was. And every time, my experience with Disney Cruise Line is absolutely amazing. The cast members, the overall experience of it all, obviously it's a more expensive vacation than maybe a week at Walt Disney World. Um, that's kind of a given, um, but I'm really excited for the Disney treasure. Uh, the Wish looks really amazing. Um, some decent reviews so far of it, some kind of mixed, mixed bag um, on there, mostly trending towards positive, but Disney treasure, that's the name. Uh, not too much more. I think Aladdin and Jasmine, are the statue kind of in the atrium. So that would be pretty cool. Um, and some really nice theming. There's some good concept art that you can find online. Um, some other news at D23, there are a couple of blue sky projects um, in Magic Kingdom, in Kanto, Coco, and a villain's land are kind of in that blue sky. And when I say that, that's the early kind of development of Imagineering um, working to create that vision and, and what exactly they want in that land, I think is still something they're working on. There was some concept art posted about it. I'm curious to see if these things actually carry through um, towards the future or what we have there. Though They're planning to have them beyond Big Thunder Mountain. Um, so I'm curious to see how that transition, one of the questions that was kind of raised is, how does that land division kind of work with Frontierland, Adventureland, and then all these Encanto, Coco, Villains Lands? How is that separation going to work, especially with another big news project, which we'll talk about in a second, is Tiano's Bayou Adventure. I mean, we'll get there in, in just a minute, but curious to see how they divide up the lands, how that's going to look, and, and how we're going to go forward there. It might be a little weird, um, but I'm sure I'm sure they have a plan for that. Um, over at Disney's Animal Kingdom, they also announced that Dino Land will be replaced by Moana and Zootopia. I think these are things that are actually happening. I don't believe they're blue sky, meaning that there's a higher probability that they could just get scrapped and tossed towards the side. Um, this is something I'd expect to happen. Um, we've talked about Dino Land for years and, and it needs updates. It needs this. Um, so to speak. So I'm excited for these. Um, there was some concept art put out there. I think they're definitely cool IPs. I'm a little skeptical with Zootopia in particular being in Disney's Animal Kingdom. Um, the animals in Zootopia are really just emulating humans. I I'm, I'm curious to see what, what's going to go forward 
with Zootopia. I think Moana fits fits really well. I think there's a great sustainability message in there that they can tie in depending on how they do it. And I'm hoping that I am wrongly skeptical about Zootopia and that going forward, they, you know, blow it out of the water. And I, I won't be surprised when they do. Um, absolutely amaze me. And I'll be looking back on this in years and saying, what was I thinking? You know, Zootopia has a place in Animal Kingdom, but I'm curious to see exactly how they're going to do that. Uh, the last exciting bit of news, and I, I touched on it a little earlier, was that Splash Mountain is converting to Tiana's Bayou Adventure. We got to see some awesome concept art. I believe there was even a model shown, a physical model of what it's going to look like. And let me tell you, if you haven't seen the image of what it's going to look like at night, head online and do so as I'm talking about it because I think it looks amazing. I think at nighttime, that area of the park already looks really cool. The low lighting, especially kind of around Pirates and, and Big Thunder Mountain, the low light really is a neat atmosphere to be in. But I think Tiana's Bayou Adventure, the Firefly kind of atmosphere that you're getting from the bayou is going to be out of this world. I, I really do think it's going to be awesome. Um, they gave a little bit of hint towards the storyline um, that you're helping Tiana with something in the bayou. Um, I'm not too sure. I, I don't want to dive into story and try and analyze what they said just because it doesn't matter to me. I, I want to just experience the ride without too much being spoiled. I want to get on that log or, or whatever they're going to have us ride on. And I just want to experience it because the ride is, what, about five minutes right now, a splash or something like that, five or eight. I forget how long it is. I, I used to know. Um, but I, I'm just really, really thrilled to get on this attraction. I know there was some skepticism maybe at the beginning. You know, splash is a beloved attraction. But look, it, it's got to happen. It's something that we need to do. And Tiana's Bayou Adventure is definitely, in my eyes, going to be a really really amazing attraction. So those are most of the park updates that we got. Um, now, obviously, I think outside of Walt Disney World, there were more updates at some of the international parks, um, a little bit of stuff at Disneyland. Tiana, Tiana's Bayou Adventure was one of those things at Disneyland, but I, I'm more of a Walt Disney World focused guy. Maybe in future episodes, we can cover some of the other D23 news. And, and if there are big global things that happen within the Disney parks. I'll be sure to announce those as well on the show and, and talk about them. But for now, just talking about the Walt Disney World projects. The next part of the show, at least for this first episode, and how I kind of want to wrap up this introduction episode, the, the show is starting kind of episode is a <laughs> reference to the Tiki Room again. There's a big question in the Disney community. Is there still magic at Disney or is it the same magic? Is it all still there? And there's one guy in particular that gets talked about this a lot. And his name's Bob Chapek. If you haven't heard of him, you probably have. He's the CEO of Disney. He's been the CEO for the last couple of years. Has dealt through a pandemic. And people question, you know, is this guy here for the money? Um, is he really helping Disney produce the magic that at least myself and, and other people have grown up with. We were nostalgic about. We know Disney as a certain type of company when we go to their parks, when we experience their movies, they make us feel a certain way. And, and some people, you know, including myself, and I'll be honest, I've been part of this choir for some time. You know, 
is Disney still the same that it used to be? Is it producing the same level of magic? Is it all still there? And I want to start in this introduction episode to bring up this idea because I think it's important. Other podcasts, other shows, and even just conversations with friends and even myself, I've always kind of been unsure. Is the magic dwindling a little bit? Are they getting worse? I think that's a dangerous route to go. And I don't want to step on anyone for being critical. I think that's important. We should always be as fans or or super fans or whatever. You know, it's okay to be critical of Disney. Hey, this this isn't working out. You know, Dinoland is a great example. I think people have been critical for quite some time of some of the things in Dinoland. Disney has listened. They've given us an idea of what's going there next. And we love to see that improvement. It's okay to be critical, but I think there's a certain point, and I'm not sure if we're there. It, It is somewhat justified, I could say. Um, But I think there's an over-critical point as well in which media, at least, has kind of been trending recently. I want to jump back two and a half years to March of 2020, and COVID was the start of what maybe people would say is a snowball of that magic kind of dwindling. I know you could claim that maybe it was a little bit before that, too, and that things were maybe heading downhill and COVID just maybe helped that snowball get bigger way faster. But out of COVID, Disney as an entertainment company, entertainment was hurting. And it feels like we've talked about this topic a lot. It's been on the forefront. I mean, COVID was and is, you know, still in the news every single day. Um, But we're two and a half years out. Right. The question is, is Disney still being impacted by COVID? Is it an excuse anymore or, you know, is it a reality? And I think that's a good question to kind of tackle. One of the things that I would look at is the Disney College program. Um, As some of you may know, I did the Disney College program in spring 2020. I worked in the parks on the last day that we were open Um, March 15th, we were open. That was the Sunday. And then the Monday, March 16th, I went home. And I saw the impact it had on cast members at the time. Um, And we'll talk about that, obviously, in later episodes. But I I saw the impact firsthand on on guests and cast when that announcement kind of came out. So is COVID still a reason for Disney's, what people might call lack of quality service that maybe was there in the past? Is there a difference between cast members today and two and a half years ago? Does that really exist? One thing to point out is that there is a lack of phone interview right now for the college program. I think the phone interview in particular used to be one of the main spots where people were kind of denied from the program. Um, Maybe more of a weed out. Now, I don't want to say that you know, the college program is a little bit different today because there's a lack of phone interview. Um, I haven't met people, to be completely honest. I haven't met people in the college program that aren't a good fit today. Um, everyone I've spoke to is, is really quite great. But I would be curious to know if the lack of phone interview has maybe allowed some people, and I'm not saying a lot, but some people to kind of slip through that, you know, maybe shouldn't. Um, maybe some of those bad cast experiences are with some of those people. I don't know. I I don't want to completely blame it on that, but I would be curious. 
I think one thing that we have to remember when we dish out criticisms, especially to cast members, our frontline cast members who are going to work for six, eight, 10, 12 hours, some 14 hour days, you know, they're working hard. And I know when the parks first opened after COVID, they were really short staffed. I mean, really, really short staffed. And some of my college program friends even said that, you know, work hours are really long. They're strenuous. We're kind of being overworked. And that's just because they didn't have the workforce. They're getting back there now. And it's exciting. And I think we're going to have to be a little patient. And I know two and a half years later, it feels how long is too long. How much is enough, right? Until we can really start demanding that things need to change. I don't think we're completely there yet. And to be honest, it's going to take time to bring back those cast members that have experience that are able to build that knowledge base of Disney. Because to be honest, until you're comfortable in the role you're doing and understand every single aspect of your job down at Disney, it's hard to really build that customer service that kind of goes above and beyond just because you're not exactly sure on your limits yet. Uh, What I mean by that and, and limits is when I worked down in the college program, I was only down there for about six weeks. I wasn't sure, you know, freebies, how does that work? How do we create magical moments? Because I just wasn't completely comfortable in my role. And eventually towards the end of my six week time, you know, probably the last three or three or four weeks, I really kind of started to get into it and feel comfortable, you know, really kind of going that extra step for the guests. But you got to remember, there's a lot of people down there. I mean, these kids, some of them are 18, 19 years old working in a theme park. And I'm not giving that as an excuse for why it's worse, you know, but give a little bit of patience, give it time for the system to build back cast before you're just yelling at Disney that things need to change. I think we as guests need to have that patience. And another point on that, and what really bothers me is when we kind of loop in every single cast member into this argument of cast members are different. The magic is gone because I've got friends down in Disney right now who are working there day in, day out. And I know not only because I'm friends with them and I, I see how they act in their personal lives, but I've seen them in the parks too. I know they pour their heart and soul into their job. They, they really do. Um, some of my friends from the college program, Hunter and Winnie, I, I've seen both of them. I, those are just two examples. I, I've got plenty of other people who are down there right now doing fantastic things. Um, but Winnie over at Galaxy's Edge and Hunter in New Fantasyland, uh, mainly working kind of in Dumbo and uh, Goofy's Barnstormer, they're killing it. I got to say, when I see them in the parks, a smile goes across my face because I love seeing them anyways. But Winnie, for example, played Sabak with me in Galaxy's Edge and, and does with guests. He goes above and beyond. Hunter, the same thing over in New Fantasyland. These guys are putting in work and not to mention, you know, my friend Connor that I was talking about earlier, he's over at Everest getting all sorts of magical moments and, and really try and respect those cast. I, I think th- a lot of them exist and it's easy to remember the bad moments and go online and post had a bad experience with so-and-so at blank location. Remember to give out cast compliments if you can and be patient. But let's let's jump back in. I know we kind of sidetracked a little bit here going deep into the cast about Disney. But the question is, 
is the magic still at Disney? For me, absolutely. I've been going for, I don't know, not 22 years. I'm 22 years old. I haven't been going my entire life, obviously. I think I went maybe when I was six for the first time. So I guess subtract and you get, what, 16 years? I've been going to Disney and that those first moments that I kind of remember, the smells, the sights, the sounds, all of that is what builds Disney to what it is for me, at least. And I think a lot of that is still there. You know, when I walk into Pop Century, when you walk into the Polynesian, you still get those scents that you've kind of had for the last however long you've been going to Disney. They haven't really changed. The music is still that kind of nostalgic feeling you get. And if you're going for the first time, it still is uplifting. It still brightens your spirits and just makes your day, at least for me. And maybe other people are different and feel differently. But I think... There's an overcriticalness of that all this stuff is missing when it's kind of stayed the same. Now, Walt said that the parks would always be changing. I, I agree, right? And I think that's a good thing. And we've seen those changes kind of take place. Tron and, and new expansions coming to Magic Kingdom, the other parks and, and whatnot. Don't get me wrong. But I think some of those things keeping the same, people kind of forget how nice those those pleasantries are. The confectionery smell when you walk down on Main Street, I'm sure... Some of you just kind of got a whiff of, of what I'm talking about right there. Sometimes when I, when I walk outside, I get this, wow, it kind of smells like Disney today. It, it, it just brightens my mood. And I can't describe that, but I think sometimes we forget about those small things that all kind of build on top of each other, those sights, those sounds, those smells that really make Disney different than Six Flags or Hershey Park if you're from around the Pennsylvania area. So I think we should take a step back sometimes and think, yeah, I do still really enjoy those things. And maybe sometimes we're a little bit, you know, overly critical. Let's think back to the last few years. Guardians of the Galaxy, Cosmic Rewind, Happily Ever After is coming back, Epcot's undergoing changes. The gondola system was not that long ago. And, and to me, that's been one of the greatest additions that Disney's had since I've been alive. Disney Cruise Line. I know that's not exactly Disney Parks, which is where people are focusing. Cruise Line is still doing absolutely amazing. I think their customer service is absolutely top-notch. And I think you could almost say it's potentially better right now than Walt Disney World. Um, entertainment from Marvel and Star Wars. You know, lots of new episodes and movies and all these different types of media are coming out. The company as a whole is producing things that, to me, make me smile. And that's what I look at. I don't think we need to be looking always at that next thing, like Flight of Passage, for example. My first time riding that is probably one of my favorite Disney memories because I remember riding and thinking to myself, this is probably the coolest thing I've ever done. Um, just that smile I had on my face, that laugh, that happy laugh you kind of get. I think I had that for about five minutes straight on that ride. Um, when the water kind of sprays at you, the emotions, the music, the soundtrack, it just encapsulated some feeling in me. We don't need every single ride to be like Flight of Passage. I think Navi River Journey, for example, is a great great kind of show of this, what I'm talking about. All in all, it's a pretty cool ride for the amount of space it's given. And obviously you can talk about like the shaman and how much money maybe was put into it and is it worth it or, or whatnot, right? But as an individual attraction, the sights that you get, the effects that are used are cool. 
And it is a fun experience, especially when you take a step back from your overly critical Disney lens that I think a lot of us pigeonhole ourselves into when we're in the parks. Uh, This could be better. This could do this. And we almost try and become Imagineers as guests, which is not really, in my eyes, where we should be aiming to be. So I just want to say, I think it's important as we go through the parks to take a step back and to really just enjoy, allow ourselves to not be Imagineers as guests, to just be guests and enjoy what we enjoy. And yes, it's okay to be critical, but I think sometimes, especially with cast members, especially with some of the new additions, we need to stop the overcriticalness that we sometimes bring to the parks. And I, I am more than guilty of this in the past, and I probably will be in the future. But I wanted to get this kind of thing in the first episode to show hopefully that throughout these podcast episodes, I'm going to kind of take both kind of sides and look at them. Um, obviously, I, I, I will admit I've been overly critical and I'd like to also say maybe I've been wrong in the past. So my goal through this podcast, and, and hopefully you kind of get that that feeling that I'm going to try and look at everything from all the different sides, take the news, take the stories of Disney and kind of analyze those in maybe a new new kind of way. And hopefully some of you guys out, out there feel the same way. Um, and we'll see, we'll see what kind of happens. But this is pretty much all I have for episode number one. Um, some D23 news, kind of a, a take on Disney magic and whether I think it's dying and short answer, no, I don't think it is. Um, hopefully you learn some, you know, obviously some housekeeping stuff in there, um, episodes every Wednesday, but for now, um, this is episode number one. It's been a pleasure joining you. I hope, uh, we can continue to grow this, this podcast community together. Go check us out on the orange bird show over on Instagram. That's where we're going to be kind of having most of that discussion. You can find us on all major uh, podcast platforms as well, at least for this episode on YouTube as well, which is pretty cool. And we'll see how that goes in the future. But for myself, Alex Seidel, it has been a pleasure talking with you. And hopefully uh, you're just now arriving at work. We're coming in about 31 minutes. So I will see you next week. 